0: Today's episode is supported by A Kid's Book About, a collection of beautifully designed books that kickstart challenging and powering conversations between kids and their grown-ups. It's no surprise at all that we like talking about the hard stuff with one another, with you all, and with our kids, which is why this new series has resonated so much with us. A Kids Book About releases new books every month from experts and authors who bring their personal stories, practical wisdom, and childlike playfulness to the page. They explore topics like belonging, feminism, body image, racism, gratitude, and beyond. Life is complicated, and their mission is to help kids and their grown-ups have honest conversations about things that matter. We think that's pretty cool, so visit today's show notes to learn more. Now, on to our episode. (music) Welcome back to Upbringing, everybody. We are sisters and moms to three, four, five, and six-year-olds who inspire and challenge us every single day. This is our free to play Q&A episode, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. And we wanna briefly acknowledge our privilege in getting to talk about this as our job and our work. And a quick disclaimer that though we have many certifications and trainings, we are not licensed therapists or doctors. Yes. Yeah. So this season, we're unpacking the freedoms model, which you can download on our website. And what are these freedoms, Han? I mean, these freedoms are realms of of opportunity and learning. Uh, We see them as basic human rights. Uh, that our kids have that we want to sensitively support because as parents, we have a lot of responsibilities, a lot of external pressures, a lot of childhood experiences that are leading us to sometimes over control or undermine um, their connection to these freedoms. And so uh, also their connection to themselves and their learning, right? right? That's what the freedoms represent. Yeah. I feel yeah. like you're better at explaining this than I am. Whatever. So uh, <laughs> last episode, if you haven't listened to it, f- free to play. We recommend you do. we so I should probably three keep beliefs. practicing. Sorry. You, yeah. sh- you should keep okay. practicing, right? <laughs> um, so mm-hmm. the three beliefs that we flipped are, one, play is fun but frivolous. And we flipped that and said, actually, play is valuable. It's work. It is not frivolous. The second belief was, it's our job to enhance our kids' play. We flipped that and said, not so much, Mm-mm. right? It's it's their work. It's... um And it's not ours to enhance in any way. Mm -hmm. And three, play looks one way. And we kind of busted that and said, no, play is actually very unique and very diverse. Sometimes it doesn't even look like play. Sometimes it looks like messes, mm-hmm. sibling arguments, um verbal abuse. Inclusion, exclusion. Right. It can look so many different ways. Weird noises. Uh, mm-hmm. we, um, and we, we have all the, the some research packed into that episode as well and lots of links in our show notes under um upbringing.co forward slash play or play two. That would be this episode. Okay. And today's QA episode we're gonna move through two challenges that some folks have written into us about Um, and we'll kind of breeze in and out of our resist approach. That's our kind of, uh, approach that we use, um, with powers beyond control, right. That help Mm -hmm. us move through challenges or issues. Um, (laughs) um, so basically the, the question said that this parent has, um, a six year old on the playground and also bringing their almost two-year-old right hand mm-hmm. um, who really wants to do everything the bigger sibling does. And I think that the I'm, my understanding is that the playground is is like not for little wee kids. No, it's like a five-year-old and a playground. We stumble on those all the time. Oh, I feel God. like all of our neighborhood playgrounds are... <laughs> How do they not have two? Right, a little one <laughs> and a bigger one. Um, yeah. But yeah, so the parent was... Uh, experiencing some stress about the older kids risky play so they were like first of all yeah yeah. climbing what she uh, felt was risky play climbing a lot on the sides of the playground and jumping off and onto other parts of the playground and and then she was also struggling with the younger um, child who was wanting to get put on things um, on top of the big rock climbing thing um, Mm -hmm. on top of slides and um, putting put up on rungs that they couldn't reach themselves and monkey bars and she felt that that was because the they wanted to do what the older kids doing, but also because her husband has a habit of putting the smaller kid up on things a yeah, lot. Wanting to play with them and, yeah. and help them engage with the, the playground. And mm-hmm. um, God, this is such a, a common situation that I've experienced personally that we see happen on the playgrounds a lot. Mm-hmm. And first of all, can I just say that like playgrounds are like a blessing and a curse. Totally. Oh my God. They are like this this shiny opportunity that attracts kids so that they can be outside and get their wiggles out. Mm-hmm. But I also think it is a man made structure that sets up particular expectations for kids. It's it's not very open-ended. It's not open-ended necessarily. At it's a the, lot of like, you can only go down on the slide, you can't go up and yeah, a lot of stuff Yeah, and that like it's that. very high and so they can only do certain things or that, that you're doing this wheel that whatever. It's mm-hmm. just, it's a little bit tricky. I think they're designing playgrounds better uh, these days but um, and just for, for more diverse bodies and, and different types of play styles. But God, they just drive me crazy sometimes. Um, and especially for this mom who has... Uh, the younger kid, Mm -hmm. it's like, it it sets up this expectation that he should, his older brother's playing on there, he should be playing on there. What Mm -hmm. the hell, right? Yeah, I remember it, feeling really hard having kids of different ages, especially Mm -hmm. when the younger kid was just starting to walk or crawling. I'd be like, great, let's go to the park. And they're just going to crawl through the bark chips and eat them and, Mm -hmm. or, you know, try to climb up all the stairs and get knocked over by the big kids. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a tricky time having that age spread. But I think going back to the beliefs that we talk about and unpack in this episode of Free to Play is saying that, um, that our kids need to play on their own. And then third, that the third belief is that, that play can look really different to different people, based on their play personality, based on their age, mm-hmm. based on their bodies and their temperaments. And this older kid that's jumping off the side—that's play. It mm-hmm. looks risky. It looks, you know, kind of daring. Like, mom, tell me not to do this. But it's his version of play. And something we talk about a lot, Kelsey, that we've had to like do a big trust fall about was saying kids need to get hurt to learn. What their bodies can and can't do, mm-hmm. and um, and to let within reason as they are growing little by little, spotting them and supporting them, but letting them learn that mm-hmm. the not the hard way necessarily always, but the right way. That truly is how you learn, not by a mom saying up up up. Well, be careful, be careful, or don't do that, or you can't do that. That's that's moving into their responsibility to play, which is to get in tune with their bodies, right? And Mm -hmm. to understand what feels safe, what doesn't feel safe. Oh, when I do this, when it's wet, oh, that could actually be Actually slip and and bonk my butt. But I agree that it's really easy for us to be like, I'm just gonna cut to the chase. I'm gonna do the notes on this thing for my kid. Mm -hmm. But we're really robbing them of the true learning experience of of getting in tune with their bodies and their environment. Figuring out what is actually risky and what is doable. That's so true, Han. And we're going to talk about this more in Freedom Move, which mm-hmm. is in a, a few a few episodes from now. Yeah, So much about their bodies, but so much about play is body stuff. And so much about it, like we spoke last it's episode, choice and yeah. body stuff. is about yeah. us as parents having to sit in the discomfort mm-hmm. and um, come up against our expectations for what play should look like. It, sh- it should just be fun, and I should be comfortable with it all the time, right? Mm, no, not so that's much. not how how we experience play so often. And that's what pushes us to control but, mm-hmm. or to to judge or to comment Mm -hmm. or to warn or to do those things because we care because we love them mm-hmm. but so much of these freedoms um, so much of this play episode is about getting aware as a parent and thinking about the ways we are interacting with and potentially dominating our kids play experience mm-hmm. and you and I have dealt with this since almost the beginning mm-hmm. where we're the asshole parents sitting reading our book while our kids play and I see other parents kind of being like why aren't you playing with your kid why aren't you interacting with them and we're like uh, it's sorry their work. we're wry yep. sorry. <laughs> sorry we see it as their independent work and we've established boundaries beforehand and Mm -hmm. warned them about the ice over there whatever it is my kid just really (laughs) likes this mud puddle they're they're not they don't want to go on the playground and the mud puddle is good enough Mm -hmm. I'm not going to force them to go on the playground we are freaks on the playground we totally are we're also the people being like you don't have to share and I have to go up to parents often and say Mm We usually let the kids kind of figure it out themselves. We don't demand that they share. How things. do you feel about how that? How do you feel about that? And but most of the time, I'm just like, kids, this is how most people roll at the playground. You know yeah. it's and it's that's different. important for them to learn too. But yeah, but this idea of hands off, like if you need you're watching their play and you need to look away, go ahead. Mm-hmm. But it's again, finding that fine balance between our responsibility and keeping them safe and informed and their responsibility of learning mm-hmm. about the world and their bodies and other people in it. It doesn't have to do with us. So this parent has some um, some frustration and helplessness around the younger kid wanting to mm-hmm. get up on the things and do the things and demanding. So let's work the resist approach really quick with that younger kid. Yeah. Resist is respect, empathize, sync up, innovate, summarize, and trust. So let's go with that. That's respect. a six-step process that we work through an issue or a challenge or even just a day, the way we want to approach another person, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, respectfully. But that R start stands for respect. And it says, okay, this is a two-year-old. This is what their bodies can do. I'm seeing them as their own unique person with their own unique abilities. Therefore, as far as play goes, I'm not going to move their bodies into places that they can't get themselves or get themselves down from. Mm-hmm. Right? I see that so much on the playground. Yeah. A parent will say, Well, put their kid up on top of something, and then the kid tries to shift or to climb down. The parents like, whoa, don't, you get hey, <clears throat> you can't you can't climb down. That's not safe. And I'm like, if they just wait for the kid to climb up on their own, then they would be able to safely get themselves down yeah. or more likely but, get but themselves down. But that eagerness we have, which is so mm-hmm. understandable, to want to assist our kids and give them this fun experience then puts us in a position to need to control the rest of that experience. Mm-hmm. And that's not fun for anybody. Right, we're like here. Let me give you this freedom, and I will take it away. Like- <laughs> well, I remember uh, like the one time we had like a little bike, and I pushed one of the kids. Oh on God. It Once, and then I was just like, oh shit! Now they're just gonna want me to push them on this little thing around mm-hmm. it. But there are wheels; they can like. Push them themselves, you know? But yeah, it's it's it also creates a, a lot of dependence on us. Sure. Mm-hmm. Like once we're putting them up on things, then guess what? They're always like, put me up on this. Put me up on mm-hmm. this. Totally. And speaking of that type of dependency, can I mention really quick baby propping? Yeah, it's connected. I think it totally. is. I think that, that I'm going to explain how this is similar to a, a climbing two-year-old who's stuck on a ledge or rock that we put them on. And we learned this one the hard way, right? Mm-hmm. With with Roy, when she was a baby, we're, like, we're so excited she can finally sit up, well, stay I, sitting up. I can sit her up and she'll stay there. And she'll yeah. stay there, right? right. And it's so natural when our baby's like, able to sit up. It's so cute. They can finally do it. Or able to stay sitting up. Right. Not to sit up themselves. And that's what we'll talk about is yeah. we sit them up. They sit there. We surround them with toys and we hang out or we go do something else because guess what? they're stuck there Mm -hmm. because they didn't actually perform all those little micro steps themselves to get into that position. Building that core. All all the stuff. um, Learning the skills. Right, those are all important steps. I think we started to realize not only... Were we limiting her development? As in, she's not—if she's stuck sitting, she's not on her belly or on her back or practicing her crawling, mm-hmm. and seeing the world from a place that her brain is designed to see right. at that age. But, but we're essentially making her stuck there mm-hmm. and dependent on us, right? She'd like go through the few toys that were there, and then she'd be like, "eh," needing mm-hmm. us, wanting something else that she couldn't get. And she couldn't And that's not reach. independent play, right? You know, this but, independent play thing and our oversupport translates to everything. Yeah, so, but I mean, yeah. it is a perfect example of that because if she couldn't get into the sit position alone, then how would she get out of that position, right? Well, she'll fall on her face, right. it's that happened a, once, it's and that's when we were like, okay, this is not, yeah, we're not doing this anymore. Or, or they fuss enough until one of us comes and just yeah. picks them up or rescues them or whatever it is. And it's called, and I looked this up after we were kind of struggling with it, and it's functional sitting versus independent sitting. Mm-hmm. As in, just because they can sit up now, and stay sitting up doesn't mean that it's necessarily a good move because we want them to be independent sitters with independent mm-hmm. skills because of what we want them to trust their bodies right it we want them to build their bodies in a natural um like pace of development and we also want that to not in our you know efforts not to inhibit their play as well it's a twofold yeah. thing yeah but that's why it reminds me yeah. so much that of this thing at the park where you know we want our kids to be independent climbers not functional climbers as in there we're kind of a crutch for them in mm-hmm. that situation, right? Mm-hmm. So, okay, after the respect step, right? We might need to move on to the empathize step next when the kid says, put me up. I want to go up. Mm-hmm. I want to climb up there. Right. Or, you know, me too, me too, me too. Right. And we're trying to work back from be- them being dependent on us for their play, right? So we that would begin with empathizing. You really want me to put you up there? Yeah. You. We used to do that, and I used to help you climb, you know? And you, want, you really want to be up there. Mm-hmm. And listen. Just and listen. just listening. Yeah, really. just hold space for those feelings they have about it. yeah And then after empathy, we sync up where we state the reality. We say where we're coming from, what the limit or the boundary is. And we say, oh, I am not going to be moving your body into places that you, you can't. Can I tell you why? Can I tell you why? You, it's safest if you are able to move your own body. So if you can climb up or part up, that's great. You do what feels best to your body. That's mm-hmm. what we're doing now. That's the new and plan. And I'll be here to support you, but I'm yeah. not going to do it for you anymore. Okay. Right. And then we might need to empathize some more. Uh-huh. There might be some more yeah. big feelings there, and that's okay. <clears throat> this is getting it easier every time we go to the park to do this, right? Mm-hmm. We we basically raised our kids not helping them play at all at playgrounds, and they still have frustration often mm-hmm. when they can't do something and they want us to help them physically. And yeah. this, so we do this exact thing. Yeah, absolutely. So what's the next step after sync up? Is innovate. Right, right. So, so we're there and support staff. And this is the fun step where we can ask for ideas and we can say, hmm, you're still trying to climb up there and you want my help. Like I said, I, I can't move your body physically, but what what could you do? Mm-hmm. what What might work to to get your leg up there? Yeah, or what's another way you could climb up on the other side? Mm-hmm. right? Or you were really interested in this other thing, too. Like even just kind of not redirecting them or distracting them, but helping them, kind of guide them and support them into finding things that are appropriate for their age and stage and body. Mm-hmm. Um, Cueing them in that way could be helpful. or And they'll start coming up with their own ideas eventually when you're moving through these steps. And then summarize, right? Mm-hmm. Where they maybe are still trying to get up on that thing and they can't get up and they're, you know, they're struggling and we say yeah so you've been I used to put you up on these things we we sum it up mm-hmm. right used to put you up on these on these things but it's not safe for for your body and so we're just letting you do what you're, you can you're do. working really hard trying yeah. to get up there you're yeah, getting and this stronger. Is great. Your, your legs are working really hard to pull push you up there. Right. And again, using the, the mindset of, of growth mindset mm-hmm. um, in this play experience as for our opposed kids to that, the fixed mindset. Right. Uh, that it's not about getting up to the top necessarily, or it's not about ringing that bell, or about. It's not about being good at something or not good at something. Right. It's just about experiencing play. Um, and i think the more space that, that this mom is able to give her 2-year-old to just explore the way they want to without um kind of undermining them so lovingly mm-hmm. with wanting them to participate they're going to find their own way to play yeah and we talked about that so much last episode just observing more and doing less mm-hmm. and that being enough that being in, uh, our kids choices being enough for them and our just observing, being enough for us. Mm-hmm. You know, we have such pressure as parents to be the fun one, the one playing, the one interacting, the one making our kids laugh. The the dynamic, or to you know, be the police, or the mm-hmm. the safety police, mm-hmm. or the yeah, the entertainer, or yeah. the whatever. I mean, I think it's half the time um, things that I've noticed that when I tell my kids, "Oh, be careful with that thing," that makes them want to do it even more you know Mm -hmm. and I think just finding back to the older kid with the risky play that he could be doing some of those risky play things just because he's enjoying the playground in a new way and finding a connection with his body and the environment or it could also be to be like I know this bugs you mom or I know mm -hmm. this gets you to participate in a different way or gives me this interesting energy that I want to explore more so I'm gonna do this stuff that bothers you I'm gonna climb up to the top and give you a wily look Uh and slip a little right and maybe then jump off so what would we say in that case if we're wondering if it's safe yeah I mean, I think that if there are rules of the playground, that would be something to let the kid know. But generally speaking, it's like open-ended, whatever. But I'd say, I'd always just, again, just like praise, just like any of the stuff, we want to be putting it back on the child to understand and and um, sensitively connect to themselves. So I'd say, how is your body feeling right now? Does it feel safe? Okay, cool. Cool. Or are you needing me to, to spot you here a little bit? Or I'm over here if you need any help, you know? But yeah. I'm not judging a situation as safe or unsafe because only they can technically do that because it's their bodies in that spot. Yeah, you know, it drives me crazy. And I used to say this all the time. Oh, stop! You're gonna fall. And it's like that is so presumptuous and and like you don't know if they're what, gonna what fall. hubris. Mm-mm. Like we're not fucking God. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But just asking questions, being curious—that so much about this play and especially risky play is about curiosity and about asking the questions. What if I do this? Hey if you if if you you know I, I noticed a big kind of um icy puddle over there just wanted you to know in case you run on top of it what could happen mm-hmm. you know just helping them to understand but their it environment its the, it, the cause takes, and effect that it takes more work but it's more learning and it requires us to mm-hmm. get up off our ass instead of just yelling don't climb on that thing don't climb mm-hmm. on that or i said stop whatever it requires us to get up and talk to them have or a conversation instead of, yeah instead mm-hmm. of like when a two I, we were on our walk the other day remember and these little kids were up on this big playground at mm-hmm. like a fire pole, basically. And it was high up there, that ledge. And one of the one of the parents or caregivers was like, no, 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 no. don't come over to here. And the kid just came, like was walking mm-hmm. up to the edge. He wasn't gonna pitch himself off. He was checking mm-hmm. what it felt like to be standing on that edge. And, and I think instead of um, censoring or worrying our kid or mm-hmm. controlling them in that way, I would just move my body over to spot them. So if they did trip and fall, I would catch them. And they would also learn what happens when you get too close to the edge of something, right? right? Um but but it, it puts, puts the, the onus on us to do the background and the context building mm-hmm. and it keeps the the playing onus the responsibility. And the responsibility on our kid. So much of these freedoms are about those the division of responsibility mm-hmm. and rejiggering that in our brains and in our practices. Mm-hmm. What is our kids job and what is our job? Yeah. I I'm thinking back to our freedom to nourish episode last week and one of our upskills that we talked about on Instagram was a video was can I tell you why Mm -hmm. and I was at the park with all four of our kids by the way it was super brave oh Oh my god like sometimes it goes great and other times it is like their play is hard for me to handle Mm -hmm. the type of play that they do but anyway there was a mom who was there and she had like a two year old and a four year old and they were going down the slide kind of toboggan style and it was a uh, like a twirly slide you know which like I've I've heard of kids legs getting broken like getting stuck and stuff or like pitching over the side or whatever but she kept telling her daughter not the younger son but the daughter You can't go down that way with him You can't go down that way If you go down that way again You're going to sit over here For um, uh, break time or whatever Like timeout, basically And the daughter was just like Oh I don't care And so she did it again And so the mom picked her up And set her over there And not once Through that entire interaction It was like a 5 minute 10 minute thing Where it was just She kept telling her over and over Did she say Can I tell you why and I think so much about a way we can engage with our kids' play, if we're gonna engage at all, when we're worried or mm-hmm. we're, we're like, you know, feeling the need to control or to dive in, is to just inform, just give information. Mm-hmm. Just say, can I tell you why? Did you know that kids have broken their legs on slides like this before? Mm-hmm. Did you know that? Isn't that crazy? Do you know how they break their legs? Let me show you. Or I heard a story once about <laughs> right. this. They come around the bend. And they don't bend their leg because the other person's leg is holding their leg straight and then it goes pop and it can... What what would happen if they broke their leg? What do you think it would feel like? What would it feel like? What would it happen? Oh, they would cry. Like that's giving information so then they can make the safe decision for their bodies rather than saying... You just do whatever your body needs to. Don't question anything. I will always be here to tell you what's safe and what's not. Mm-hmm. That is not a setup that we want to be preparing our kids for is to always look for that sign saying caution or don't whatever. Yeah. We want them to be it aware of their surroundings, effort. thinking about why. Yeah. But yeah, it does but take I, more work. Get, we get a lot. Of, I was um, like, just tell them why. <laughs> <laughs> just tell them why. I've done that and walked up to kids before. Oh, I've been like, so you know, can I tell you why? Yeah, it's so hard not to. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but this this example, can extend off the playground and into your home. Home. Mm-hmm. We get so many people, um, coaching clients, talking about toddlers and crawling kids, mm-hmm. um, getting into into things in the house, pulling leaves off plants, going towards outlet pl- outlet plugs. Mm-hmm. Still play, yeah. still play, and we need to be there to tell them why right. and to put up a to boundary not be we inhibiting the impulse to play. But just to be sensitively supporting by providing information and context to that play, which I think is so much, it takes more work, but it ultimately prevents so many power struggles. Mm -hmm. And the the continuous testing that kids do, the boundary pushing, is basically just because they're trying to say, I still don't know why. You still don't get it. Still don't get it. You're inhibiting my play, and this is my fucking freedom, and I don't like it, so I'm going to keep trying to do this until I actually understand and can attune to it personally. Yeah, but I think that 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 demands that we have a fundamental respect for our kids' brains and mm-hmm. ability to understand even from a super young age mm-hmm. what explaining like m- some people would think that's really silly explaining why to a 9-month-old no it's not no. it's the beginning mm-hmm. of this amazing journey of curiosity and understanding mm-hmm. about themselves and the world that they exist right. in right and rather than judgments or direction or entertainment it's just a conversation and mm-hmm. that's the thing we can be Uh, really utilizing in this risky play situations yeah Yeah. okay let's move on to the second Q&A okay what was this one Hannah this was about a bored four year old poor Mm -hmm. little guy who will not play The, the mom wrote in and said that he is struggling to play independently that he a little context has used screens quite a bit and has also had a grandma caregiver a few days a week that is not happening anymore. And so, um, and he's struggling to find his own work when he's home with her on Fridays. She's just like going crazy because he's saying he's bored, he's nagging her, he's wanting her participation constantly. And, her, pre- and her presence and praise, right? A right. lot of it was like, look what I'm doing, mom, look at me now, yeah. look, what do you think of this drawing? Just and- very socially like needy, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. About so, her participation in every single thing he does. Which on a Friday, I've been there. But mm-hmm. Fridays are my days when the kids are home; uh, they're not at school, and it's like, can I just get something done? Can you please just go do what you need to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, we've all been there, right? Yeah, but this makes me think so much about something we spoke about last week, where when we have babies, we're like, oh my gosh, I just I could watch them sleep. I could watch them just <laughs> lie there, and it's making my day. Mm-hmm. And at what point do we kind of grow out of that and say, mm-hmm. go play? I like, I need my time. You know, when does that transition happen? But I think we can all think back and be like, there was a time when I just really just wanted to stare at my baby all day. And play with them all day long. Play with them all day long. Mm -hmm. Maybe some people can't um, connect to that, but yeah, it's just interesting. And then you have another kid. And then you have a second kid. And then you're busy. And and then they're doing different things. And you're like, oh, just play independently, please. Yeah. But I think that's a cautionary tale again for this. Let's uh, give our babies the chance to play and be alone. Mm-hmm. When when they're really really little, newborn babies can spend time alone a little bit, mm-hmm. where they're not constantly being held. You know, especially older babies, once they're chilling and can see farther than eight inches, mm-hmm. and can can look around, can move their arms and legs, and and soothe themselves, can have playtime, quote unquote, work time in their rooms alone. Well, with a baby gate or w- mm-hmm. w- whatever it is. I think we'll talk um, about this maybe in a um, an Instagram and YouTube video. Yeah, but just that <clears throat> this can happen, and we see it so often with our coaching clients where – uh, they've they the child gets to three, four, or five, and they've really not been sensitively supported in play in certain areas, and it becomes a struggle because they they require constant supervision, they require constant praise and attention, they can't find uh, which activities they want to do, and they can't sustain those activities for a long period of time. It's a good it's reminder tricky. um. And connecting to last episode, that we want our kids to be "quote unquote" bored. We want to leave space for them to just be and to not be doing anything. And it's really the opposite of our like instinctual parental agenda, which Mm -hmm. is to pack in all the fun, keep them stimulated, stimulated, entertained. Yeah, Yeah. it's Mm -hmm. just it's so counterintuitive for us, right? Yeah. So I mean, I think that the question is here: How can this mom slowly fade her presence Mm -hmm. uh, and let her be the boring one, basically, so that? her son can rekindle his own relationship with free play and his own curiosity that doesn't involve her participation. Yeah, I think this one isn't going to be just a quick fix. It's going to no. be just practicing like like anything is and Undoing, unwinding a little bit mm-hmm. from those habits. Yeah. Um, and I think the first step, something I've noticed, that when my kid is not playing well independently and really just needing me, it's oftentimes because I have not yet filled their cup for the day mm-hmm. and they're needing some connection. You know, attachment theory talks about kids can go off and do their thing and come back to this the secure base when they've been filled up, when they feel, okay, I've been loved. I've been connected. All right, I can go do this, mm-hmm. you know? And so uh, sometimes I just skip that step and I'm like, we're home. I love you. You love me. We're good. We're good. Okay, go play. Bye. And it's like, okay, let's spend 10 minutes of wants nothing time or some people call it special time or Hand in hand parenting calls it like I think it's like that, but spend a little time where you're just focused on them, where you're giving them eye contact, where you're giving them your attention, where you're letting them guide the conversation, and just being available to them. And I have been so surprised, just so surprised, what a difference that makes. Just filling their cup. Two minutes of connection sometimes helps. Yeah, yeah. And then I think something else that I tend to overlook is setting expectations and communicating to my kid ahead of time and saying. You know, not just assuming, oh, there's this like natural assumption that you need to go play and I'm doing this. So we're doing our own thing. Right. Like that we need to tell them what we're doing and why, how long they have to do their things, what Mm -hmm. opportunities they have, maybe, and that what we're gonna all do together next, which can give them a sense of security and predictability. Okay, so I'm not this isn't a never-ending situation of me feeling abandoned by my mom. But just saying okay. something like, this okay, is what's so happening. Um, after breakfast, we'll, we'll each divide and conquer a little bit. I have the, this work that I need to do mm-hmm. and a chore. And you are showing interest in this other thing. Or what, what sounds fun to you to be working on during mm-hmm. that time? And I was thinking, now that you can read the clock or we could set a timer um, when that time is over. And then mm-hmm. what's the thing we're going to do together? Then right. can we make cookies? Or then should we go for a quick walk? Mm-hmm. Or then jump on the trampoline or right. whatever it is. I think, too, just, again, rather than controlling the kid or feeling the need to be with them the entire time, let's do our work in other arenas, which is preparing the environment. Mm -hmm. So creating access to materials so that our kids can know where to find stuff and be able to have open-ended toys. like. You know, paper, boxes. Um, Building supplies. Yeah, a dramatic play stuff, um, magnet tiles, whatever it is, openly available so they can see it and they can discern where those things are. Yeah, but I think what, um, you, what you also mean by open-ended is toys that don't have a specific purpose necessarily in mind. So Mm -hmm. trying to avoid those plastic toys that just make one noise and do one thing, Mm -hmm. the stuff that ends up breaking, the stuff that's like, basically they get tired of after one use because it doesn't have- It had directed um, their play. Yeah, multiple Mm -hmm. um, functionality. Functionality, yeah. Yeah. So those open-ended toys help a lot. And then just having access to them and knowing where they are. You know, like we talk about trying to avoid our playroom looking like the trash compactor from Star Wars- (laughs) you know because it's like it can get so easy where you're just like oh just let it all go just let it all go yeah um so we're going to talk about that too on our instagram stories about ways (laughs) we can prepare the environment to avoid that and sustain our kids play yeah um and then you know our kid might have what else i I think that what what would you say cal i was rolling my eyes because you're not letting me talk i'm sorry that's okay i think that that our job as well is to help our kids kind of attune mm-hmm. and that and that means just reflecting on their mood and their needs and their interests and just trying to to help them be in touch with that part of themselves right mm-hmm. yeah i think it's so easy for kids when they're just in that weird phase to be like, I'm hungry. And you're like, really? Are you hungry? hungry. Or like, I want to, you know, this, this child might revert to what they normally do is I want to watch a show. I want to watch a show. Mm -hmm. I want to watch a show. So, okay. So you're wanting to sit still as your body wanting to relax. What, what other things could we do Mm -hmm. to sit still and relax? Could we read some books? Yeah. I think getting them started and helping them think of ideas is, is good Mm -hmm. being, you know, being in that innovate mode together a little bit. Yeah. I mean if they're needing us, then they're needing our support in in gaining that independence. I think just cold turkeying them, being like, Nope, in your room, bye bye. You're on your that's own that's not helping them build skills in self direction. We've we've this this woman has lovingly but accidentally, through all these other things, kind of Produced. Grandparent caretakers can really do that too because oh, they're man. not like a normal daycare babysitter yeah. letting the kids their juggling own stuff. They're things. also grandma agenda, which is I'm gonna soak up every intensive drop of you. Yeah shit. It can be yeah. intensive. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah. So this takes time and it requires our sensitive support. Right. Mm-hmm. And then get so getting them started, as you said, Kelty, helping them attune to what yeah. they're needing and what they're into, what they might be and interested basic, in. Basically backtracking a little bit. So instead mm-hmm. of kind of um Sending them off on their own, saying, Okay, well, you just need my presence to get started. So I'll sit at the table for a few minutes while you get going. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to be reading my book and I'll be right here n- nearby. We can be sitting yeah. at the table together. You know, basically c- kind of slow fading mm-hmm. your presence a little bit. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, and then, yeah, and when they do things, then and want your participation, because I'm imagining that this, as you say, it's going to take time, and this kid's going to be like, "What do you think about this drawing? Look at my, uh, you know, block they're, tower." They're used to having that be an interactive play, being more yeah. of an interactive experience, and having that validation about their. Performance, which I think mm-hmm. is very normal, again, for grandparents to do. Yeah. You know, because they just love them so goddamn they just, much. They just got to tell them all the time yeah. how yeah. pretty they are and how smart they are and how brilliant You're so that good was. you so this. You're so great at that. Oh, but, you know, um, when we talk about this, unpack it a little in the episode, that that isn't... Um, necessarily productive ultimately for their motivation and their self-direction and their self-esteem so the whole growth mindset versus fixed mindset talk there's a lot of research a lot of there so we don't want to necessarily be praising their work we want them to be doing things for the joy of doing it themselves for their own interests, so yeah. If we praise something, we can comment on effort over the actual achievement. Yeah, right? you worked so hard on that drawing, or I noticed you put all the little pieces in a row on that magnetile. Or if they look to us, we could ask a question like, mm-hmm. "How did you make that?" Or how, "Why did you choose this color instead?" Help them again engage back to themselves and what they were doing, rather than. Us giving a judgment or an appraisal or a value or a, one of those little dopamine hits, you know, yeah, that um, that are ultimately not that helpful. Um, so, and then you know, this transition is going to take time with this kid. You know, yeah. it's really hard to to change um, uh, this environment um, psychologically, emotionally, and physically, um, so that they can kind of get back to that that free play and that time. And it, it's just going to take a little time. Um, but I think it's it's worthy uh, work to be considering about this, and mm-hmm. it's so easy for us to just be like, oh, they're driving me crazy. Just put on a show for them. Yeah, I feel like that's the, the ping yeah. pong that we talk about with younger babies. Mm-hmm. We're all in it. We're dominating. We're, we're doing it a little bit too much. And we've created a monster. And we created a monster. We're just like, go play, please. Leave me alone. I have shit like to seconds. do. Yeah so cautionary tale and optimistic you know future for yeah. this person yeah it's, it's never too late to be more conscious about how you're interacting with your kids' play, and to just observe more and do less. And like we talked about from the Simplicity Parenting book, too, thinking about our presence and the words we use. Is it kind? Is it true? And is it necessary? And the, is it necessary for us is just like, oh, gosh, yeah. is is my presence right now? Is my interaction? Is what I'm saying and doing necessary? And how is that impacting my kids' experience? Right? Is it supporting their, their independent free play and connection to themselves and their learning or is it kind of dominating it or yeah. undermining it a little bit? or we, we we mindfully make that choice to get in there and be playing and interacting with the with the understanding that a little bit later. I'm not going to be doing that. Mm -hmm. So we're conscious of not just our role and responsibility and dynamic with our kids' play, but the times of day and the opportunities that we are getting in there and engaging more Mm -hmm. and and times when we're leaving that up to them. Well, and I would say, like just to backtrack to this parent too, that helping them know and their child know The, helping the parent know mm-hmm. and the, to let the child know that they may be spending this time apart and it's okay and it's different and it's new, but that they will have they will wrestle at five o'clock or mm-hmm. they will cook dinner together, that there's so many other opportunities besides independent playtime and f- what we call free play. To connect with and bond with and enjoy time with our kids, mm-hmm. their caregiving activities, right? We mentioned their um, right, like so. They're they're bathing or they're getting dressed or yeah, yeah. or the meal times to mm-hmm. enjoy one another, and then also also the house activities of folding the laundry together and doing the things. while they're also learning some skills to take care of themselves mm-hmm. and someone else someday. So that it play looks so different to so many people, and it's it's such an amazing opportunity um, to just understand themselves and enjoy life, but also to really learn how to engage with the world in a a driven and sustained way. And so that's what we're going for. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of books that inform this talk that'll be in our show notes. And we would love to hear your thoughts on today's episode. I love all of these Q&As. I love what people are sending us. Next Mm -hmm. week, we're doing Free to Feel so send us some some challenges and struggles about big feelings that your kids are experiencing. yeah anxiety what Mm -hmm. what else anything that's just it's making it hard you're struggling to sensitively support we've all been there so Mm -hmm. let's share these you know and unpack these a little bit together we're going to also be talking on youtube and instagram video um about more ways to be fostering independent play this week so mm -hmm. check those out yeah, right. and we want to hear your thoughts on today's episode. So check in with us. Let us know about the Q A any, Q&A, anything else, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. and take take your thoughts and your questions and get out there and talk with your partner and your friend, um, other parent friends, and just be like, what do you do during play? Or bring up the conversation at the park with a stranger. We do that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you to our techie renaissance dude, Alex, for producing this podcast, editing music, all the things... Um, and thank you, to to our incredibly talented friends, Amber Okamura, who does our art, and Mary Schroeder of Making Type, who does all of our fancy lettering. Mm-hmm. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. We really value your feedback. Seriously, and it helps people. other people find it. So yeah. if you're on Apple um, Podcasts, you basically just have to search for our podcast, and then you can see the space um, once you find it through there outside of your library to add a rating and review. We'd love to hear your words. Lastly, thank you for being here. This is a messy and incredibly important job being a parent and we're going to make so many mistakes and that's okay because our growth depends on it. And if you're here, you are doing the work. In fact, you're doing an amazing job and we're so proud of you. We're right here with you taking steps to better understand ourselves, our kids, and one another one conversation at a time. So thanks for being here. We're all growing up together till next time.